0: Welcome back to the Value Driven Investor Podcast, where we forge value driven investors on a mission to live life on their terms. No matter where you have come from or where you are going, becoming a value driven investor is in all our best interests because becoming financially free allows us to focus on what matters most, fulfilling our purpose. Our community of value driven investors is committed to showing you the way. With the support of this community, you are sure to reach your goals. For all of us in the value of an Investor community, there is no greater gift than the gift of giving. Because together, anything is possible. Welcome back to the Value Driven Investor podcast and I'm super excited again to have my buddy Bob Grant on with me today. Bob, how you doing buddy?
1: I'm doing great. It's early on the uh, the West Coast, you know, it's eight a.m. So. <laughs> well, Grand, we like to get you
0: out of the bed er- out of bed early on the weekends. <laughs> I'm, I'm still a little
1: little buggy-eyed here, <laughs> waking up. I did already run though, so I do feel great about that. As soon as I run, I can do anything else. So. it's Well, it's easy. and it's you not, know, it's funny that you crazy. bring that
0: up because that was one of the things I wanted to talk about today. Is that uh, I'm super excited. I uh, am going snowmobiling, and I live up in Minnesota. You live in uh, uh, nice. you live in Eugene, yeah. so I don't think Eugene yeah. even gets as much snow or it's as cold as minnesota no. but i no. live in uh, minnesota and i'm going up to um it's called the up michigan to go snowmobiling this coming wednesday f- until saturday and um, it's like you know when we talk about living life on your terms and i thought about that this yeah. morning before i came in to do this it's like i can just literally on a whim because this uh, we have a snowmobiling crew um <laughs> that we that we go up there with and uh, we're called the sled dogs. <laughs> and we have hats and <laughs> stuff. And, my, and this guy that <laughs> no put it way. together has, like, stickers. <laughs> and, like, so we put stickers in, like, the bathrooms of these dive bars that we going. It's just awesome, dude. No, it's so cool. That's
1: freaking cool. Yeah. And yeah. so,
0: like, the sled dogs, we had, we're on a group text. And, like, it's it's completely silent in the summer. There's no there's no talk. Then all of a sudden the, snow, the first snow flies and it's like, oh, where are we going? What are we doing? And then, like, yeah. now, like, there's UP, Michigan is where we go a lot and they've been getting a bunch of snow, and so uh, it's just cool because like life on your terms is this, it's like two days ago they're like, we're going, who's in, and I'm gonna tell you there's so many of these, I mean it's a big group, it's like 25 guys, but there's only four of us that have the ability to just drop everything and like let's go, and I'm gonna tell you three of the four people, Are entrepreneurs. They run their own business. They do their own thing. You know, and one of and another one is my my business partner that I work with. And so it's like it makes me think it's like that, you know, how what do you mean life on your terms, Murph? It means like literally in a whim you have everything in place where you can just go and do what you want to do when you want to do it. And I, I just thought that's so cool. And Grando, you do that all the time. I mean, Grando pick up and just go, Oh, Grand, where are you going? Oh, I just got on a plane today heading down to Florida. I don't know why not.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, and I still work at the fire department too. And I, but I have a lot of flexibility because I've been there for so long, but uh, you know, I was actually having a conversation with, uh, one of the chiefs there the other day and he was out talking at my station to me and, and he goes, well, I know you could, you you really don't need to work here. You know, I was like, wow, he knows that. I go, and I go, yeah, you're right. I don't need to work here. I'm only here because I want to be here. And he goes, that's, he goes, that's actually pretty cool, you know, because they know I'm successful, you know? So he was like, yeah, I could, you know, I, would I feel the financial hit from the money there? Yeah, of course. But, you know, we're, we're doing good enough that we could you know, <laughs> make yeah. it just fine and really live life on our own terms. And I think that's what it's all about, you know, eventually, you know, that's, I love just working and doing that. All these different things, but I'm I'm with you, man. When it comes to time to hit the road and do something, I'm all about it. Like we plan all the time, we tra- we travel, we tra- yeah. we're trying to travel every month, yeah. even just in the U.S. So.
0: Yeah, no. So I just, want, I, you that. know, I always bring that up because that's that's one of the key fundamentals of this whole group. It's like, how do Swear I live no, life on my terms, man? And real estate is just a pillar post. It's a tool yeah. to do that. There's so many yeah. tools, and and hopefully in the value driven investor culture, like we can get into all these other ways that you can live life probably. on your term, Being an entrepreneur, business owner, investing in this, that, whatever. But me and you, we know real estate like the back of our hand, and that's why yeah. we're launching this whole thing and starting this whole thing talking about real estate because if you can figure out real estate cash flow and become financially free through real estate then you know what the world is your oyster (laughs) so today we're going to be talking about know your real estate numbers and bob Grant and i had an awesome um wholesaling episode and that was a good one yeah that was a good one that was a long one but this one (laughs) you know what the reason we want to do this one is because if you are a wholesaler, want to be a wholesaler, you know what? You better understand your numbers because Bob, you know, his brother is a super smart, very analytical numbers guy and we're hoping to have him on one day in the podcast to talk about like the deep dive into numbers. Um but today what we want to talk about is like the 30,000 foot view because When you're a wholesaler, you want to put together a really good package. Because your package is what's going to, number one, give you credibility. Your package is what's going to allow you to make good decisions. Because if you're thinking about your end buyer and what they need before you actually buy the product, then you're gonna know what number you need to hit. And so the package and the numbers are the key. Now, I wanna start this off with a story, okay? Because this is so important, this number thing. Uh, and knowing your numbers that, I have to tell you a story that, I've only lost money a few times, and I've been doing this for 17 years, and I've only lost money a few times. I would tell you, I have only lost in 17 years, total, $25,000, total. Wow. Yeah, and that's, that's, I'm 110% telling you the truth. I, I, because of the numbers, because I am so focused on here's my numbers, here's my breakdown, here's my ARV, and I am not going to pay more than this. Uh, I've lost very few times. Now, I'm gonna tell you a story right now about this property at 620 Niagara. That's what we're gonna call it. This 620 Niagara property that I did was a, uh, it was a new construction, tear down build. So if you guys haven't figured out what I do, uh, I do a lot of what's called infill development. So I will go and I will find a house uh, like let's say in this 620 Niagara situation, I will go and I will find a house <clears throat> that's like two, I think we paid two, two 35 for that house. Um, and in that neighborhood, I had market knowledge. I had a good understanding of what was going on in the neighborhood because I had already done three projects in that neighborhood. I had bought a bank-owned deal right when the market had turned for 185000 which was a great deal. We did a tear-down new construction on that, another infill development project. Then I did my very, very first infill development project in that exact same area where we bought it for two hundred twenty. dollars We tore it down. We sold it for 875. and dollars so, And then I had also bought, around the corner from this, house a big uh, 0.75 acre lot that i bought from this family and that i was actually at the time i had rented out and then all of a sudden this opportunity came up 620 niagara and the seller was super motivated but he was being a stickler on his price now where did i go wrong well i crunched the numbers i knew that what he was asking was more than what i had paid for anything else and even Uh, no, it wasn't more than what I paid for that corner lot because it was a big 0.75 acre lot. But the other two projects before that, he wanted more than what I paid for those other two projects. And I was just like, well, that number one doesn't make sense. Okay, so how am I going to work around that? Now, I crunched all the numbers and my builder was really motivated. Uh, He's my business partner and he's also my builder general contractor. And see, this is the beauty of our relationship is that I am the guy that is very disciplined when it comes to the numbers. I know the market better than anyone, uh, and he knows that. That's one of the reasons why I bring him a ton of value. He really wanted this project. He's like, Tim, we really need this project. This is a gorgeous lot. We can build a gorgeous house. We just sold these other two. Let's make it happen. And this was like, in the infancy of when we started, like, uh, what was this, probably, 2012, we were just starting to get into this infill development thing, so this was like our third, fourth project, um, and he was like, "Let's do it, let's do it, let's do it." And he he sold me, my business partner sold me on the reason why we should oh, do it. Oh man! And so I finally was like, "You got?" I go, I told him, I said, "Hey, buddy, I, I, you know what?" And and you guys, this is a huge lesson. I said, "You know what? I don't believe the numbers justify the project that you want to do." And I've ran the numbers, and you guys, when I'm when I'm about to make that decision, I run the numbers, I'm telling you, I'll sit there for an hour and a half, and I'll run every mm-hmm. possible scenario. I will dig in comps, I will just, like that's all it consumes me, because I know right. how important the decision is. And that's what I did, except I did this for days on this deal, because I just knew in my gut, I'm like, man. I I shouldn't do this deal, I shouldn't do this deal. But my partner was like, yeah, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it, we can do it, we can make it work, it'll work. And because we had only done three deals, four deals of this infill development, I, I also knew, well, you don't know everything. I mean, it's not like you've done right. 50 of these deals. Like right. maybe he's right and he, he has a lot of experience. I mean, he was actually a, a builder that would go out and buy lots and, and build houses and he had been building for he's been building for at the time, that was probably like 22 years. So I mean the guy's yeah. not you know he's, he's a veteran. <laughs> But he's also right. a little bit more of a gambler. He'll gamble, he'll take that chance. He's a <laughs> your typical builder that's like, hey, if we build it, they will come. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. I said, okay, 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 okay. Here's how I'm gonna look at this. You might be right, and I might be wrong. And the numbers, I might not have everything figured out, and the numbers might not be right. So you know what? I want you to know that I trust you, because you're my business partner, and that you have a ton of experience, and that, you know what, I'm gonna do this deal. And you know why? Because I want you to know that I don't know everything and that I do trust you this much and that, you know what, if it goes great, then I need to listen to you more often. But I I told him, I literally said this to him, I said, but if it doesn't go great, I'm gonna always remind you that I didn't wanna do this deal because of the numbers. (laughs) on the construction <laughs> side, on the ARV side, yeah. and just, you know, the numbers were telling me do not do this. And he goes, okay, that's cool, let's do it. Okay, so that's funny, long dude. story short, <laughs> a year later, we still have the house, We it's yeah. a beautiful house, we put it in, the, in what's called the Parade of Homes. Oh, we yeah, had hundreds awesome. of people come through the house, we, Uh, went over budget on construction costs, which is normal, but we went over budget pretty good. Um, We paid too much for the lot, which I told him, and (laughs) we ended up losing each of us $9,000. That's but you have to understand, like we were planning on making $150,000 on this project. But because we overpaid for the lot, because the construction costs did not end up where they should have been, because we didn't have the right numbers, because we had to carry this house for so long because we couldn't sell it, because we priced it too high, because we didn't follow the numbers, because of all these factors, I had to write a flipping check for $9,000 to get out of that house. Now, $9,000, big oh. deal, but the whole point was, I looked at him, I said, hey man, now you know I trust you, but now you know you need to trust me. And honestly, we did, I did that one other time with him and we didn't lose money, but it was not favorable uh, as far as what we thought we would make and what we did make, very minimal. Like I think we walked away, we were supposed to make like $100,000 and we walked away with $10,000 a piece. And let me tell you, when you're, when you're working on a construction project as a general contractor on a new construction yeah. for six months, four months, and you walk away $10,000, it hurts. It oh, hurts. Yeah. And so, because you have so much time invested. And so yeah. he looked at me and he said, after the second time, because this was the first time, But the whole point is this, he said, you know the market, you know the numbers, I'm gonna give you my opinion, but you're gonna make the decision. And we've been doing, him and I have been doing this because you gotta stay in your lane. And that is my lane. And he jumped into my lane and he got bit and he didn't like it. And so that's the whole point. If you're a wholesaler, Stay in your lane because you're a huge asset to Bob and I. If you're out yeah. there running these numbers and doing the right thing and making the right decision, so then we can come and it's a no brainer. And we're like, Yeah, let's jump on this, and we keep winning. We're like, yeah, yeah, we're get more deals, and you just keep making more money. So, yeah, I don't know, Grand, if you have any insight on that story, but that's my story, I will never
1: forget it, dude. That's that's a great lesson and it wasn't a huge amount of money, but it still burns. And I'm sure it just kills you today. Um, you know, I think one of the things I'm fortunate about is fortunate that's fortunate for me is, you know, I started out investing a little bit later in the game professionally, you know, and so I, and I was surrounded by other people who were already doing it. And so, uh, the numbers from day one were ingrained into my brain. Like you better know your numbers. So I haven't lost any money yet, which, which is awesome. That's but awesome. a deal, you know, that a deal yesterday, you know, speaking of your deal, a deal that we lost yesterday because of $4,000, the numbers didn't add up by $4,000. We made an offer and this is a low, you know, project, you know, it's like $230,000 or, you know, so our offer price. No, 230 $230 on the
0: ARV, Bob, or 230 on the initial acquisition? No, it would have been
1: 365 on the after repaired value. So... And we looked at it, you know, with the amount of construction costs, we just reversed ourselves back out, which is what we're going to talk about. Our price came at two thirty one. Um, we thought we were going to get. We thought we were going to get it. We're like, yeah, they're like, everything's looking great. Somebody slid in there at two thirty five. And so then I was just like the gambler in me, you know, my brother's the number hard rock guy, kind of like how you are. I'm kind of a little bit more on the gambling side, but I trust his numbers and I can do the numbers exactly like he does. And I have the experience, but I I like him doing it. So it's like another opinion. And I look at it too, but you know, that, that gambler me, I'm like, Oh, screw it. Let's just do it, man. Let's take that. Let's (laughs) jump to that price, wave some fees in there, our real estate commissions and stuff like that. Let's get us over that edge. So that way we can get these, you know, this, this deal and make it happen. And he's like, yeah, he goes, you know, but you know, our construction costs, what if it goes over, then we're, we're chipping away. We're chipping away. He goes, this would actually be the less profit, you know, the profit margins already tight. He goes, we like to make, you know, 75 K per deal. This would already push us down to 50. He goes, what happens if something happens and we go down to 30? And I was just like, yeah, you're right. You know, that makes a lot of sense. I was like, he's like, let's just move on to the next deal. And, okay, Bob, you know, Bob, you know a, what? One of the lesson. key
0: things, though, that people need to understand it is that you've created an insulation to remove yeah. emotion. Because you were about, right. you. if it was just you all on your own, you might have oh. made that emotional decision, but you added an insulation barrier <laughs> or a, a re, to reduce your risk, right. which is your brother. And see, that's right. how Chris and I work too, is that mm-hmm. sometimes I need Chris to push me because I'm right. too conservative right. and I miss deals. Like I told you guys about a deal that I missed out on uh, where I could have bought it and I could have just literally sold it right again and made a good profit, but the mm-hmm. numbers didn't work out how I was looking at the deal, which was a tear down new construction, when if I was looking at the deal as like, just buy it and then just put it right back on the market, well I could probably make a ton of profit. So there's Mm -hmm. a million ways to skin the cat, but like Bob said, you know, you have to know yourself. And that's where we talk about extreme self-awareness. Because if you don't right. know your tendencies as a, mm, I'm kind of a riverboat gambler like my yeah. partner or like Bob, and I wouldn't call Bob yeah. a riverboat gambler, but I would definitely say Bob <laughs> likes to take a chance every once in a while yeah. where his brother is very conservative. And I would say, you know, for me, I'm I'm a little bit, I'm conservative, but I'll take a chance just like I took a chance. And I'll definitely take a chance if, I, if someone that I trust tells me, hey, man, I think this is one we can take a chance on. I'll take a chance here and there. Yeah. Um, but anyways, let's get into the, the nitty gritty because cool. you guys want to know you know, know, about the numbers. So you're probably asking yourself, why is knowing the numbers so important? Okay, well, I think we answer that. Knowing the numbers is so important because it reduces your risk drastically. Uh, I mean Bob and I, Bob hasn't lost any money. I've lost maybe $25,000 in like 17 years. So the only reason that I can say I've done that is because I'm very methodical about my numbers. So why is knowing the numbers so important? So you don't lose money and go broke. What is the first thing that we wanna talk about? Now there's three things in this 30,000 foot view of knowing the numbers that we wanna talk about today. Number one is understanding ARV after repair value okay you have that's yep. where you start what if I do all this what can I is the maximum dollar I can sell this product for uh, and you know maximum value you have to understand after repair value that's maximum value you can sell a product for after you remodel it and then the next one is um, what are the repair costs? You have to understand when you find ARV, you have to back out all these repair costs. Okay, because are that is a variable that is very dynamic. Repair costs is dynamic from in the very beginning because each contractor or each rehabber will look at repair costs differently because they might look at their project differently and what they're gonna do with the property differently. So you're never gonna get it right exactly but as long as you have your philosophy and you have a model for showing people, like we talked in wholesaling, you have option A, option B, and option C, and this is how I break down these options and and how the repair costs uh, relate to them. Then you know what you're really helping that uh, rehabber, like Bob and I, to make a quick decision and a good decision. And then number three is know your market conditions and your area. I mean. If you're a wholesaler, if you're in the survival phase and you're getting dropped into a market like we talked about, and you don't know anything, you better start researching that market and you have right. to find, it's like, I love um, the show Gold Rush. And yeah. that's what your market area is all about. When when Parker's running around trying to figure out, okay, where am I gonna have, find my next plot? And he's drilling holes to try to find, okay, is there enough gold here? that's your market research that's your market areas you're always drilling holes test holes and you're trying to find where is that vein of gold because the market i work in in minneapolis is a vein of gold i mean it's i've done research around the country in different markets and there's a couple other markets uh around the country but there's not many markets like the market i'm in that i can do what i'm doing and make the kind of money that I'm making. And it was a lot of research, a lot of testing, and taking some chances, and then all of a sudden, maybe not really losing money, but not making very much money. And then all of a sudden, we figured it out, and it's like boom, boom, boom. So those are the three things, ARV, repair costs, market conditions, and your area. So Grando, let's talk ARV. What is a realistic ARV for this property? That's usually what you're gonna have to ask yourself if you're out there wholesaling or investing. What is a realistic ARV for this property? Grando, how do you come to after repair value? What, What insight can you give on that?
1: Uh, yeah. So after repaired value, you know, we just basically, we we shoot for the percentage that we would want, right? So when you're looking at that, like, you know, we're 70 to 75% of the after repaired value, meaning, you know, we will look at the after repaired value, we'll make an offer at 70 to 75%. And, uh, and then we subtract out construction costs, you know, so I guess I should say, we look at the 70 to 75% of that after repaired value, subtract construction costs, and then that's our offer. And so that, that's, that's where we land um, most of the time. And, you know, that number fluctuates a little bit, you know, but it kind of depends too, like when, if you're using private money, you know, what does that private money lender need? So if you're looking at like, well, this private money lender that we're using right now, he likes to pay for just the acquisition costs at 65% of the purchase price, right? So we have to think about those two numbers and, and that's big picture. But so you're kind of going back and forth and it usually falls in that range, 70 to 75%. Okay. So
0: 70 to 75%, you find your ARV. So talk to me about finding your ARV. What, what does that yeah. mean to you as, as a guy that goes out and buys properties and, and yeah. is going to be doing the rehab and is going to maximize that value and is needs to know, okay, what's the after repair value when, if I'm, so, if I'm coming to you with a deal, Bob, as a wholesaler, how do you want me to, to calculate after repair value, as far as like maximizing the the property. So if the property, if I come to you and say, hey, after repair value is 350,000, do you wanna be like, what do you wanna ask me as far as, well, how
1: did you come to after repair value? Yeah. So after repaired values, I mean, ARV equals good agent, right? So a gr- what does a great agent do? They have comps, they, they do a great market analysis on the area. So ARV equals good agent. Um, it's kind of how I always say it. So if you have a good agent, if you are a good agent, or you have a good agent, that's how you're going to get that after repaired value. So you can you can do some prelim work yourself, right? And you can look at comps, you can look at Zillow and all that stuff. But just having that line with a good agent is going to be very helpful because you can be like, hey, what are you thinking? We clean this thing up. We, we make it a, a 9 out of 10, you know, 10 being new construction, but this is going to be, an, you know, a 9. You know, what are you thinking for price? And send me some comps on that. And so having your best comps around. You know, we're both agents, so it's easier for us. That's where we cut our teeth is doing market analysis market analysis. Um, But some people that are, you know, new investors, they might need to rely on a really good agent as they're doing that. But everybody starts to understand home values, right? In every market, you know, when a home's overpriced, just looking at a home. So most people go out there and when you're searching, doing your own home search, you start to realize that homes overpriced and then, wow, it hasn't sold in 200 days, you know, like the, the people on the, in the market tend to know that just because they're searching for homes and which, so it's kind of an interesting thing, but when you look at it, you know, just good comps, um, you know, is, is what you got to do and you got to find those properties within a mile, you know, the closest you can get, I start going, you know, as a good agent, you know, I think, okay, what can I find in a quarter mile, half mile, mile, I'm getting outside that mile, okay, I'm starting to look bigger and bigger and I gotta start justifying, right? Like, why am I using that comp outside of that outside of that area? And that's exactly what an appraiser does, right? And then they write a justification. So, you know, ARV just equals good agent, you know, being a good realtor, knowing your market analysis and being able to do that.
0: If I'm a wholesaler, Bob, and I'm mm-hmm. trying to bring you a deal, and yeah. I wanna establish ARV, how many yeah. comps do you wanna see how far you said, you know, how far back? Let's, uh, and you might have just said this, but oh, how many yeah. comps do no, you want to see? How far back, like, should they be uh, like a couple weeks, a month, two months, yeah. six months, a year? Uh, how close to the comparable like so if if this is a ranch style house, do I have to have all ranches? Um, yeah. Also when I'm thinking about ARV, do, do I base it on other houses that have been remodeled? What if I haven't yeah. f- I can't find another house that's been remodeled? Do I base it on an existing house that maybe hasn't been remodeled as much? Like go deeper into okay. you know, what are you thinking if I'm giving you a package, I'm a wholesaler and I'm giving you a package right. and I want to support my ARV. What go deeper on that? Cause I think that's super yeah. important.
1: Yeah. I want three, three really good comps and I want three really good comps preferably in the last few months, The last three months would be awesome. You know, if not three months, six months. I'm not really shooting for much over six months, but most, you know, in our area, you can find really good comps everywhere for in the last three to six months. And those comps tell us, you know, where the where the direction of the market's going. I may, you know, you may put in six or eight comps. You know, maybe go three months, six months, nine months. But that also sh- that also presents me an arrow of the direction of the market, right? If if nine months ago the market's here, six months it's here. You know, and it's climbing. You know, that's a good that's a good indicator for me. Be like, well at the end of three to four more months of construction, you know, I'm going to probably be ahead. The market's not going backwards, you know, or, or maybe at this point in the other way. So I need to start planning to be able to come in a little bit less than what I actually think my ARV is right there. So, um, I think that's probably like the big thing. And then you're talking like, you know, like for like, you know, apples to apples is what you really want to shoot for at first, you know? So, if you're doing looking, you got it. You can't, you can't compare a a lot of people will do this. They'll go price per square foot. It's a thousand square foot home. Oh, it's 250, you know, a square foot. This is a 3000 square foot home times that by 250. Oh, it gives me this. That's my, that's going to be your ARV. It's like, no, you know, 1000 square feet doesn't compare to 3000 square feet, you know, 800 square feet to probably about 1200 square feet compares to 1,000 square feet. So you gotta stick with your within kind of a close window, you know, um, when you're looking at square footage. Bedrooms and baths should almost be the same. You know, if it's a three bedroom, two bath, you want as many three bedroom, two baths as you can get. If it's a rancher, of course, I wanna see other ranchers. You know, I don't wanna see the two stories, you know, and all that type of stuff. I want I want like for like, uh, but, you know, there's always the but, you know, if, if, <laughs> if you can't find you know, rancher that matches it, but there's a, a two story right over here. Maybe it's a little bit higher in value and it's a little bit newer. It, it can be a judge. It can be an indicator. If I clean this house up, you know, okay. What, what's somebody gonna, they're gonna probably not see it as is this 2018 home. This is a 1970s home, but I can give it the 2018 finishes, you know, I'm not gonna get new construction pricing, but I can make it an eight, you know, and I always like to tell people, you know, start judging homes on a scale of one to 10. 1 being tear down and 10 being new construction. Pick where that home fits out on that spectrum, you know. So if it's a 4 or 5, can you make it an 8 because you can never make it new construction, right? But you can make it an 8 or a 9, you know. And so you can start kind of judging those things like that and breaking it down, you know. Um, you know, and a lot of it is involved around, you know, the 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 year it was built, you know, as to what it can be. So breaking those numbers down like that, I think you know you can you can get pretty close.
0: Yeah, Grant, I think that's a great yeah. description from a 30,000 foot view on ARV. Yeah. So uh, if you guys have questions, obviously hit us up. You know you can go to valuedriveninvestor.com, you can sign up for our email. That'll allow you to dialogue back and forth. You can go to our Facebook page, uh, Value Driven Investor Facebook page, uh, our community page. I mean, we want you to ask questions here. The podcast, we can't answer everything. I mean, real estate's right. way too dynamic. So that's why we want to yeah. create these this community because if you have questions, we want answers uh, or we want to give you answers. Um, so the next thing is, is is construction costs, all right? Repair yeah. costs. Uh, that's another big pillar of know your numbers. Repair costs. Grando, you are the general contractor. You're literally a licensed general contractor. I mean, right. how does someone get a better understanding for material costs and labor costs? And, it, and the, I mean, it's even painful for me to talk about this right now because <laughs> labor costs and material costs are going through the roof. Like literally, oh if God. you want to tell if you want to know, like the risk that I feel right now for me when I'm doing, you know, right now I'm working on two million dollar plus projects and uh, and with covid. We had these projects bid out and literally just our lumber cost, just our lumber cost on one project went up $12,000 after we had a signed contract. So we wow. can't just pass that cost on to the client. We have yeah. to absorb that cost. And so right. that is right now between labor and materials, literally we have these numbers and there, there, our profit margin keeps going down because these numbers keep going up on labor and materials. So Grando, give them some insight from a general contractor's perspective on today's market and just understanding and the importance of understanding labor and materials when it comes to repair costs.
1: Yeah, you know, if ARV equals good agent, then repair cost equals good contractor, right? So having, having a good contractor, um, in the area that you have a relationship is ultimate is the ultimate thing that you can do which is you know what you have which is what we have with my company i've trained my brother on how to get the the numbers basic basically down you start to run those numbers and figure it out but there's a lot of online resources that can give you averages for areas right so uh, i can't think of any right off the top of my head but you know there's like the there's like builder books and stuff like that that builders kind of Go through and can have kind of a general idea of pricing on the west coast versus east Coast. you know kind of you can kind of zone in big picture view with that but then you can you can also start calling around and start questioning you know like what what you could get like you know what is a roof cost you know and and what are the material costs of a roof you know and and figuring those things out and just looking online and doing a little bit of calling locally calling cabinet shops you know if i have a standard l-shaped kitchen you know what would the average cost of that be and what would the countertops for that be you know it's and you start breaking things down in your brain i like to break it down in price per square footages of everything because it's so much easier once you start breaking those averages down over time you can say like well i know maybe you've done your own home remodel and you're like i know i did my kitchen it cost me you know twenty thousand dollars for a kitchen in a house that's a square footage, you can break that down real quick, reverse, you know, take that chunk of money, divide it by your square footage and, and give you kind of a general idea and then go out and test it against a few other things and adjust it. So, you know, for us, for example, like I've talked to my painter a few times and and I've said, you know, like price per square foot on painting, you know, like what, what would that be? You know, trying to figure it out. Cause I'm always trying to calculate things by, so I can, I can add you into the picture. Right. And so, because I want to use the guy, and so he's like, he's like, okay, well, if I had to break it down, you know, the last four or five projects, boom, boom, we walk through them. He goes, yeah, it looks like it's about six bucks a square foot, and that's a mid-grade paint job, and you know, so there's all these different finishes and fixtures, and and the quality as it goes up, it costs more per square foot and more in labor, and so just thinking average is like, okay, we're kind of that entry-level mid-grade painter, so it's like, okay, it's about six bucks, and I go, okay, now break that down between exterior and interior. He's like, well, exterior is cheaper, so I would say. You know, 225 for exterior paint and, you know, the two or 375 or whatever for the um, interior because there's, you know, wall paint, trim paint, takes a lot more time. So I start liking to break things down into prices like that. You know, the cost per window is an easy thing. You know, like what's the average price of a window? You can look on Home Depot online and start judging those numbers. But you have to remember, you know, repair cost equals good contractor and your numbers are so key and having those numbers is a ticket. Going out and finding a project system that, you could bring your contractor out if you have one. You could bring them out get estimates, get a general contractor out there to ballpark. But you—the the conversation you have to have with that person is you need to find that GC who isn't the cheapest in the world, and isn't the most expensive in the world. You want that middle of the road guy. So he might not be that big name brand contractor you're seeing all over the signs everywhere, but he's also not the one you're finding on Craigslist, right? Right. There's that guy you'll find in between, and he's a good, honest, hardworking dude that's out there or gal that's out there just making it as a contractor and doing good quality work. That's your contractor. And when you find that person or you find a few of them, Those are the ones you hook into and you start running those numbers against, calling them up. Hey, what do you think this would be? How would that be? You know, and running the numbers like that. But that's the education aspect of it that you got to go through um, to the point where now, you know, I walk in any house because I've been doing it for a while. I can just be like, boom, this is that cost. This is that cost. This is that cost. That bury you know then then of course putting in a buffer right like putting in a contingency because like i haven't seen inside the walls so it's like what would you know it's an older home so i need to have a bigger contingency for that versus a newer home you know so there's all these give and takes and you start to break those numbers down and um over time you end up kind of understanding it and you rely less on your gc and he starts to trust your numbers and judgment when you kind of start working together
0: Yeah, I think you summed it up really well, and really when you're talking, Bob, I'm thinking, okay, if I'm a wholesaler, what is he really telling me? He's telling you, you need to find a GC, even if you're not going to be a rehabber you right. you need to find a gc that when you find a wholesale opportunity that is willing to come through or is willing to at least look at this opportunity with you so that you can get that perspective now yeah n- now the other thing is if you're if you're still like oh well yeah but I just started I don't have a gc and I'm not going to try to figure that out then you need to like you need to go and, and get on the job or you need to mm-hmm. go follow your, you need to find like somebody on your buyers list. If you have me yep. or Bob on your buyers list, you need to be like, okay, hey guys, uh, I'm gonna go out and dig up deals for you, but what deals do you have going right now? And you need to start asking a ton of questions around right. like, what does this cost? Can I go through your project? What is the? Can you give me the breakdown on this project and understand a live project that Bob and I have going? Right. Because if you can, if you can understand what we're doing in a live project and go from an ARV and be like, okay, I'm seeing this really happen. I'm seeing these real costs on a real project. Now I can get a better understanding. I mean. You better be doing at least that, because if you're not willing to put in that much effort to understand your costs right. or to go out there and put in the time to understand you know what a guy like Bob and I are doing to, to rehab a project and what all goes into it, I'm gonna tell you, you're gonna be that wholesaler that's just throwing dartboards at the dartboard, and eventually you're gonna get burned, and eventually those guys on your buyer's list are gonna be like, yeah, I would've bought 10 projects from you this year, but you don't know what you're doing. And you don't yeah. want to be that guy. So, you know, Dude. I think Bob summarized it really well. And and again, this is a 30,000 foot view, but you know, nothing that you do in this world to be successful or live life on your terms is going to be easy or not require a time investment. Right,
1: yeah, yeah. so true, man, very, very true.
0: Okay, well now let's go to market condition and your area. Okay, yeah. market condition in your area, this is probably, it could probably be the number one thing that you need to start with. Uh, We started with ARV because I think ARV and market condition in your area go hand Mm -hmm. in hand. Um, But I want to talk about my area. So I found a fantastic area in the Minneapolis area, um, and in that area I have done, I did research for two and a half years watching market trends, which means watching the comps, what houses were junk, like let's call it a one, and how could I turn it into a 10. And that's literally what I do today. I take a house that's a one that is just basically dilapidated, and then I just tear Mm -hmm. it down. And then I just build a brand new house like a project that I did at west49street.com, if you want to go to that website, west49street.com, I took a house that was just dilapidated, uh, and then I tore it down and I built a $1.5 million brand new construction house in a fantastic location in Minneapolis. Now, how do I do that? Like, well, I'm gonna tell you this. I do it because I've spent years researching the area. I've spent years watching yep. those market trends, what our house is doing, what has, and I've also watched other people do it. So I'm not gonna go and do a project like that if I haven't seen someone else do it, because that's been happening in the area that I work for, for quite a while now. You know, the McMansion thing. That's, I'm the McMansion guy, right? Um, but you have to do that. You have to pay attention to, okay, Where's that area that I can actually have a good ARV that has a big enough margin that I'm reducing my risk? Because things like Bob said as a general contractor, you're never gonna know what's in the walls. So you better plan for it. Um, So you need to find those areas and dig for those areas um and that's understanding, you know, where do I get that data? Now, if you're not a licensed agent like Bob and I, well number 1, we would recommend that you become a licensed agent because if you want the best data, usually when you're a licensed agent, you're going to be able to find and get access to the best data, which is number 1, the MLS. Right. Uh, but there's other access that you can get as an agent as well that will allow you to get the best data. Because in order to make good decisions on ARV and understand your you know market conditions in the area, you need great data. And you know the internet is the king of data. Um, but if you don't have that, there are different um, websites out there. I think there's like a website called Remind. Um, Bob, what other websites are out there that you kind of know Uh, of
1: off the top of your head? For looking for comparables and stuff like like that. Yeah, like market condition stuff,
0: like, hey, this market has great schools or whatever, you know, all the factors.
1: Yeah, Zillow, like a lot of people use Zillow, you know, because it it has like comp tools, you know, things that you can do, shows, you know, previous solds in an area, you can kind of turn it on and off. Those are data scrapes from county records, so it's not as good as MLS, you know, but um, I, I think that's probably if, I were a wholesaler, I'd probably be jumping there, you know, looking there, uh, remind is another good one. Um, just trying to think of ones that aren't agent involved. Um, we have a really great one for agents that are, is national called a uh, realtor property resource NAR national association real realtor property resource. That gives me access pretty much to everything in the United States, which is awesome. So that's an agent based one. Um, you can always go to uh, a lot of county records are online, you know. So our county yep. records just are bring online. Up. So yeah, if um, in our area you can you can get online access, go and search, you know, what's sold and everything like that. Looking at the, you kind of end up sifting through deeds that way, but that's that that will give you the actual you know price of things and Grand how. Well, wins, on so. your
0: county website, do they display um, the sale price? Like, do they record sale prices? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, as yeah, I got a buddy, uh, I got a buddy down in Texas, and they do not record sale price. So when you, when the wow. county records the sale of a property, they do not document the sale price of that property. Which I thought, wow, that doesn't help you. But That's in Minnesota, crazy. in the counties, it, it uh, once they record it, you know what that property was sold right. for, and then you can. So that is one of the tools that I use to really prove, um, like. Because they take literally the purchase agreement. And so when I'm like, okay, well, what did they buy this thing for? Because I saw maybe I found what they sold it for at the ARV. And then I come and dig back. Well, what did they actually buy this thing for? Um, and th- and now I know the gap, and then I can run the numbers, yeah. and now I have a model. See, that's how I've created yeah. my models, is that I'm like, okay, I have this, I, I'm have a really good agent, I have this idea of what the ARV is, but now right. I gotta back this thing out to create a model, you know, with construction costs, carrying costs, all those different things, and then what can, what should I expect to buy it at? And I make a right. lot of my buying decisions uh, dependent on that, on that tool, which is my county websites, because, if someone else paid, like let's say last year, someone paid $220 for this house, and now I'm looking at paying $275 for this house, yeah. I'm like, in a year, $275, right. I'm gonna pay that big of a margin. Uh, I don't know if I'm gonna do that. Is that really a smart decision? Because I see that these guys made out pretty well. I see that they achieved this ARV. I know what my costs yeah. are. You know what I mean? So that's one, one, two. I'm glad you brought that up because I just thought about that is that uh, if your county website displays uh, both purchase price when they initially acquire and then also you can obviously see arv on a Mm -hmm. on an agent website or on the county website that is an awesome tool to use because now you can create a model and once you create a model in an area now you can just prove that model as you watch and pay attention to what's going on Mm -hmm. and i'll tell you that if you start doing that as a wholesaler you will have a lot more success selling it to a guy like Bob and I. And then eventually one day you will be Bob and I doing your own rehabs and you will have a, you have reduced your risk drastically if you have created a model because Bob, I know you have a model for a rancher in your area.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I think exactly what you just said, you know, when we look at, you know, our rancher, obviously any flip project we want to do, we're conservative and we want to make, you know, 75 K per project, you know, which and some to some people it's a lot, you know, to some people it's not. But when you're looking at entry-level homes and you can make 75k per project, that's you know, you're put sinking your money into it and your true net on the back end is 75k. We love that and we pass on a lot of deals. So when you think like in my brain, I know like when those numbers hit, if I can get at least 75k out of it, it's awesome. We scored a house the other day, it'll be a, a 350 seller, waited for you know, four or five months for this thing to go through probate, they only wanted 135,000 for it, you know? So it's like, that's a home run, right? So if it's over 75K, you know, I'm, you know, 75K to me is like, I've, I've struck a single, right? You know, if I'm making over 100 I'm on third base. And if I get over that, that's a home run, you know, So, like that's kind of how I see it in my world, you know, thinking model wise, and then, and then working back exactly how you just said it, you know, it's like, you know, where, what are my, what's my model for my resources and, and figuring that out per area. And that's the one thing I've noticed, you know, I tend, I kind of thought real estate, you know, cause I'm kind of more local and I haven't jumped to other States and we're looking at other States. It's, it's so interesting how different every other state is and how they do things, you know, and, whether a deed of trust or a mortgage state or, you know, what they do for title, you know, and all that type of stuff. And so you have to figure out the exact system in your area. And our system is exactly, it's so streamlined, you know, because we go out, we look at a property, we get the call, look at a property, we comp it. We, my, you know, brother goes out, does the quick, quick numbers. If it pencils, he brings it to me. We start deep diving into it. We start both looking at the comps. I say, yeah, I trust your comps, this and that. I, here's what I think. And then then he comes up with the final you know, project, you know, spreadsheet. It's like, OK, here's what it is. Here's what we can offer. All right, let's offer it. Let's see what happens, you know, and yeah. and and that's our model. And if we score the awesome. run out of it, sweet. well, Grando,
0: I think we've so. summed up know your numbers from a 30,000 foot view. So I want yeah. you to kind of kick it off, or end it off with, you know, what, share a story or something to, to our people here, a clear picture as to why we live by the numbers. Why is this so important to know and understand?
1: So why are the numbers so important to understand? Um, a story for me, I mean, it goes back to the apartment complex that we just bought, right? Like we paid... 600,000 for this apartment complex. It's gonna be, you know, it's 17 units. It's a strip mall style thing, kind of three buildings. Um, And to me, you know, it's like, it's run down this and that, you know, it's it's $600,000 to a lot of people. That's a huge amount of money. It's a huge amount of money to me, biggest project ever. Um, Looking at the projection of the numbers, you know, being able to take the numbers and say, does that make sense? You know, and, and this was a wholesale deal. So they made out well on it. So they probably locked it up for 500. We paid them 600. They probably made 100, right? So that's a great example of that wholesaler knowing the numbers himself, knowing that there's value here and not t- trying to take too much of that value. Um, so we lock it up because we know our numbers, we know our area, we're able to lock it up before the showing of the property to other investors. So we already owned it when everybody else was looking at it, which I would, thought was kind of cool, because we we're so dialed on those numbers. And on the flip side, you know, um, knowing how to think, okay, when we're done with construction, we it to be this, we know we can increase the rents to this, we know that the future value of this property is going to be this, you know, say it's like 1.2, 1.3 million, we know we have you know, $500,000 just sitting there. So it's a home run, right? So we see that and we can quickly align because we know those numbers. And because I'm not playing riverboat gambler, you know, if I were the riverboat gambler, I'd come in there and be like, God, I really want this. I see, I know there's big numbers. I'm not looking at, I'm not looking at the construction that's needed. I'm not doing this. It's like, he goes in there and throws a, you know, a seven or $800,000, you know, price tag on it. You know, he gets out there and then some riverboat gambler buys it. And then they have to rehab it, run into a bunch of costs, and all of a sudden they're into this thing for one point one and it's only worth, you know, one point two, one point three. They still make money, right? Or maybe they miss the boat altogether and they lose their money on it. But in the end, you know, if they would have played it by the numbers, they would have be been able to see it like my brother and I saw that deal. And then we were like, We've gotta do this deal, we've gotta pull the trigger. How can we make this happen as fast as possible? You know, and so well, that's and Bob, like, I, I think, think too though,
0: in that deal. One of your biggest variables that you have a big competitive edge on is the construction cost. because yes. number one, you're going into your biggest deal. Number one. Number two, right. you're going into a deal that you've ne- a kind of deal that you've never done, which is a multifamily right. deal. And number yeah. two, there is a shit ton of remodeling that's going to happen in that project. Oh so the fact yeah. that you're a GC, you know, and, and you know, your
1: numbers when it comes to construction costs, right? Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I mean that, and that's exactly it. Like I know those numbers. So that way, when I do start hiring the people, I know I can stay within those parameters, you know, and, and that, and that's the most important thing. That's why it comes back down to the numbers. If, if I were just some, you know, I love the riverboat gambler, cause that just <laughs> put paint such a great picture, dude. <laughs> if I were that guy, you just start throwing money at that project. Right. You're just like, boom, start chucking money. Call this contractor. Let's start working. Let's do that. Uh, like I had a friend the other day. He told me he was remodeling his bathroom in his house. And he goes, he goes, yeah, the contractor came back. And so I go, oh, cool. What was the, what's the cost on a remodel? I'm always wondering, you know, homeowners, what they get for remodeling and this and that versus what I get, you know? He goes, oh, I don't know. I go, what do you mean you don't know? He goes, I didn't tell him there was a budget. I go, you didn't tell a general contractor there was a budget on your bathroom? He's like, no, I just told him to get it done. I go, dude, you call me up. I'll get it done for you with no budget. Like this is going to be a $30,000 bath. <laughs> I'm putting marble down. <laughs> I was just like, it blew my mind, you know? And so that's like a great example of somebody who's just like, just get it done versus me. And you were like, what's the toilet cost? What's the faucet cost? What's the countertop? What's the floor? What's the demo cost? What's the shower cost? What's this cost? You know, and I'm breaking it all down. What's the permit cost? Okay, in the end, did I hit my number? Did I miss my number? How can I improve next time?
0: Know your numbers, man. Bob, I think you just nailed it right there. (laughs) Know your numbers, because if you know your numbers, you're gonna reduce your risk. If you reduce your risk, you're gonna make a profit, and if you make a profit, you're gonna end up living life on your terms. Thanks for listening to the Value Driven Investor Podcast, where we lead by giving. For more information about our community and what's new, visit valuedriveninvestor.com.
1: The Value Driven Investor Podcast
0: was produced by Digital Legend Media in Minneapolis. Build your legend, digitallegendmedia.com.